Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Good to see you all smiling faces and those who are joining us online, Gail and Kelly and my sister-in-law, Charlene, and others I saw who are joining us online. So good to see you. We're glad that you are here. Why don't you stand with me? Uh, if you're home, why don't you stand too? And we're going to read God's word. We've been journeying through the book of Genesis ever since um, October. And we started off with a series called New Beginnings and talk about how God is always in the business of creating and recreating and, and new beginnings. And that's what really Genesis means is beginnings. And, and, and saying, God, where are you going to do new beginnings in our lives? And then now uh, in 2023, even in this series on the life of Abraham, uh, give me faith, following in the footsteps of Abraham. And We've walked our way now through Genesis chapter 13, verse 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. If you have your smartphones, you can do that too. And then today we don't have fill-in-the-blank sermon note sheets. Just had a little printing snafu. But I want to give a challenge. Uh, I'm pretty sure every smartphone has a notes function. So pull out a note on there after your Bible and take some notes today on what you see here. And uh, Because, again... We don't want to just give you some information on a Sunday morning. We want to help you have a life of transformation. We think if you can hear it, see it, write it down on your phone or something, a piece of paper, that'll help get these truths down deep into your heart. So Genesis 13, verse 5. And Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were living in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. Let's pray. God, we thank you just for the gift of coming together, for the gift of technology, for those who can join us online or watch later. God, thank you for the gift of worship and our worship team and those who get here early at 7.30 in the morning to set up and rehearse and just to provide an atmosphere so that we could connect with you through song. God, be with us now as we dive into your word. Let your truths penetrate deeply into our hearts, minds, and souls. And God, I pray that as we walk out of here this morning, we'll be filled with hope, God, that we would make the changes in our life that you want us to make, and God, that we would uh, just bring blessing with us wherever we go. In your name we pray, amen. Well, you guys can take a seat. A couple of years ago, uh, I drove out to Appleton, Wisconsin to f- visit my good friend, Sean Whitworth. Sean uh, is an athletic guy. Uh, he does triathlons every year, and he loves to do biking and, and running and swimming and, and all that stuff. And when I was visiting him, he told me this story that 
Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, on a beautiful summer day, he gets on his bike early in the morning, and, and, and he's out biking in the countryside, and, and, and it, it's a beautiful day, and, and the miles are, are flying by. And, and then as he's biking in the middle of the country, out of nowhere, he kind of sees this rustling in the kind of the tall grasses, and then this animal just darts out kind of early in the morning, right in front of the road. Well, Sean's going so fast, he realizes there's nothing he can do to avoid this animal. And so the animal, though, I don't know if he timed it this way or what, but instead of getting run over by Sean on his bicycle, he hit the side of Sean's leg. And Sean looks down at this animal and realizes it's black and white. And he realizes it's not just any animal, this is a skunk. Well, as Sean's foot comes around the pedal, he can't help it, but he hits that skunk right on the back. Well, the skunk, as it hit his side, it spun around. I'm sure the skunk's thinking, what is going on? And the business end of the skunk, if you're tracking with me, is facing up at Sean, and as his foot comes down on the back of the skunk, Sean feels this little mist on his leg. And then, boom, Sean is off down the road. The skunk is sitting there, like, dazed and confused, like, what just happened? And, and, and Sean's going down. Well, one thing you need to know about Sean is Sean was born without a sense of smell. So he feels something on his leg, but he has no idea if he actually did get sprayed or not. So he bikes back home. He's like, do I smell like skunk? I don't know, because he literally can't smell anything. So he gets home. He's all sweaty, and, and, and he, he gets to the door, and he comes in kind of cautiously, and he's like, Denise, his wife, he's like, can you come here and smell me? And she's like, what? I'm not going to smell you. He's like, please, I need your help. Uh, isn't marriage wonderful? And so she comes in, and she's like, oh, you smell awful, like a sweaty gym sock mixed with, what is that, skunk? What did you do? And, and he realized, yes, okay, I do smell. Because here's the thing. All of us need people in our lives at times to tell us when we stink. Because sometimes we don't realize it, amen? We, we don't realize that, you know, that we have this odor about us or that we need someone to come into our life to, to tell us that we stink. I think we've all had blind spots in our lives before and we need good friends who can look us in the eye and say, dude, you stink. Dude, you need to get your act together. You need to fix this thing. See, your friends are going to influence the quality of your life. And again, I would encourage you to take out your phones, piece of paper, write this down, that in fact, who you spend your time with, I believe, is going to determine the direction of your life. Who you spend your time with will determine the direction of your life. Your coworkers, your friends, the family members that you spend time with, the people in your church, uh, the kind of community group you're in, they will determine the direction of your life. Well, maybe your story is kind of like mine, where you grew up with good parents, and, and, and we thought maybe our parents were a little fanatical about who we spent our time with. Like, have that experience with you maybe? It's like, man, why do my parents care so much? Like, for me personally, like my parents pulled me out of public schools, put me into private schools, because they cared so much who we were spending time with. You know, they wouldn't let me hang out at a certain, you know, friend's house. And it's like, what, why, why do you care so much? Why? 
their parents are never around. Isn't it good that I can go hang out there? It's like, no. You know, I think my parents would have probably arranged my marriage, you know, if, if, if it was up to them. And they love Kristen. But, you know, they were fanatical about who we spent our time with because they knew that who we spend our time with is going to determine the direction of our life. And at the time when I was a kid, a teenager, I thought maybe my parents were a little over the top. Maybe you were the same way, feeling like your parents were too concerned. But then, as you get older, some of us, we become parents, and you realize, man, I totally get it now that who we surround ourselves with determines the direction of our life. I remember as a freshman in college, that would have been so cool if that would have happened after one of my jokes. Uh, Timing was just a little off. Wow. Holy Spirit. Yes, we hear that. I remember as a freshman in college, um, getting around a group of people who were just kind of negative about college and experience, and some of them were musicians, and why do we got to spend so much time in the practice room, and why does Larry make us do this, and why this? And I realized that that negativity started coloring my experience of, of my college, and I was like, oh man, I need to get out of this negativity. And I shifted to a different group of friends who weren't just complaining about the rules or things like that, and that helped determine my direction. See, who we spend time with is going to determine the direction of your life. This isn't something we decide. This is just a principle, and it can work for you or it can work against you. See, who we are in community with will determine the direction and quality of your life. And the truth is, your faith in God is affected by who you do life with. When it comes to who we allow in our lives, we all need boundaries. We all need, another way to say that is is guardrails. And what I want you to ask yourself today is, what would it look like to have some guardrails in my life about who I spend the most of my time with? What kind of guardrails do I need in my life? Again, if you're taking notes and you're thinking about this, a guardrail, we've all seen this when we're driving, a guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. You're going down the road, and there's these guardrails. And it's so good that they are there. Now, you could look at that guardrail and say, there's all kinds of pavement on the other side of that guardrail. Why can't I drive on the shoulder right there? Like, it's still safe. See, guardrails are not in the area that's dangerous yet. Guardrails are in a little bit to prevent us from straying off the road and getting into those areas of our life that's going to cause some damage. And what we're going to see here is that God gave Abram some guardrails as well. God had Abram put some boundaries in terms of his relationships. In the same way, we're going to see that God wants you and I to have some boundaries, some guardrails, when it comes to our relationships and who we spend our time with. So let's jump back into our text, Genesis 13. And Lot, this is Abraham's worthless nephew, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great, they could not dwell together, and there was strife, say strife, strife, between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. So we got some strife going on between some family members and their businesses. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. So there's strife between Abram and his people and Lot and his people. Now here's the thing. Sometimes strife is a clue 
that you need to have a boundary, a guardrail with this person. There's strife going on with a family member, a friend, and it's no matter what you do, that strife is there, and it's like, okay, what I'm realizing, this is not a good person to have in relationship with me, so I need to put some guardrails there. Sometimes strife means you have an issue that you need to work out, and you need to do the hard work of reconciliation to, to apologize where you've messed up, to talk it out, to, to just to clear the air. So how do we know the difference between when strife pops up and we need to have guardrails and boundaries and when we need to work through it and do that hard work? This is why we have to get in God's word. We have to ask for his Holy Spirit to come into our lives and then we have trusted people that we do life with to say, hey, I got this situation. I, I'm, I'm encountering some strife. Hey, we went on vacation with these friends of ours and you know what, there's some strife popped up and so what's the situation here? Do we need to separate and have some boundaries? Hey, let's not go on vacation together again for a while. Or is it like, hey, we need to work this out and figure out what's going on. But again, it's not always cut and dry. You got to pray about it, seek the Lord's wisdom. That's why God gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in that. All right, let's, let's, let's read on. Then Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. So they're both in the situation where they need more land, more grass, more water, and it really holds the possibility for conflict here, and there's some strife here. But what we see what's interesting is there's really no conflict on the part of Abram. In contrast to his very calculating nature, we saw last week, as they're heading down to Egypt, and he's thinking through, he's like, oh man, they might kill me because they want my wife. And he's like, okay, Sarai, here's what we're going to do. You're going to lie, and, and, and you know, I'm going to say you're my sister. And, and last week, he's not trusting the promises of God. What we see here, though, is that he's very generous, really to the extreme. Lot, you go wherever you want, because I'm trusting God's going to take care of me. See, you think about it. In the last chapter, Abram lost his wife to another man while he just passively stood by and did nothing. Now, that could have been devastating. But God stepped into that situation and gave him back his wife. And through that, Abram is now learning to walk in faith, to trust the God of promises, to trust the promises of God. So he's like, you know what? God's going to bless me. Whatever happens, it's going to be okay. And so Lot, you take wherever you want, because I know no matter what, the God who gave me back my wife after I lost her, he's going to continue to fulfill his promises, and he's going to take care of me. Verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Remember where they were just down there and got in some trouble? Now, again, you always got to remember, Who's writing this story down? Most likely it's Moses. We think he wrote the first five books of the Bible. That's kind of what, what Jesus says, and that's what scholars think. So Moses is writing this down after the fact. They've been, the story's been passed down. He's given them to the children of Israel. Where have they just been led out of? Egypt, right? He's teaching them some stories about their heritage and who they are as a people. We've always got to keep that in mind. Moses is writing to former slaves. And when he's saying, oh, here's a Jordan Valley, and the people hearing the story are like, oh, 
oh, so Lot's picking the good land, it's good. It's like the Garden of the Lord, Garden of Eden, oh, that's good. Like the land of Egypt, oh, no. Right, their minds are going, this is not good. In the direction of Zor. And then, really what Moses should have done is like, spoiler alert here, but he doesn't. You know, it's like, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like, that's coming. It's like, why'd you put that in there, man? <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, like Egypt, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. And Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. So again, now what we're seeing here is, is Lot is attracted to the fertility of this land, Sodom and Gomorrah, and then the city of Sodom, great wickedness there. He's now, in fact, just moving his tent from the valley to right outside the city. He's getting real close up to it. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. So what we got here is Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the fertile land. Now in this series we've been talking, we don't want to walk by sight we want to walk by faith. And I think it's really interesting that last Sunday I talked about how we don't want to walk by sight. We want to walk by faith. And this is why it's covering her eyes. On Tuesday, the devil tried to take me out and gave me a weird eye infection. I woke up with my eyes swollen shut. And so I'm wearing glasses for the first time ever preaching in them. Uh, and so something really funny about your sight being attacked. Uh, so I don't know what that's all about. Uh, but literally, that's why we're saying, be thou my vision this morning. So that's what we're doing, right? We want Jesus to be our vision. We don't want to walk by sight, we want to walk by faith. But what's Lot doing? He's walking by sight. What can he see? He's seeing the beauty of the valley. See, he's not thinking about his aunt and uncle. Lot is greedy here. He's just working his business plan with really no regard of how his aunt and uncle took him in, how this is going to affect him. He's not concerned how this is going to affect his wife and kids. See, when Lot was choosing where to live, he didn't ask, does anyone in this region even love the one true God? Is this going to be good for my kids? He's not thinking about the benefits or the possible cost to his family. Lot doesn't care about his own soul. All he's thinking is, does this make the most financial sense? He doesn't pray or talk to God about it. He doesn't build an altar. And how does this work out for his family? Spoiler alert, we're going to see this in the coming weeks. He ends up with a dead wife and perverted daughters. That's the outcome of Lot walking by sight, making decisions based only on what's best for his business and, his, and financial reasons, and not thinking at all through, how is this going to affect my family? Talk about consequences. Man, I was telling Ryan this week, like in the history of our church, seven and a half years now, I've seen a number of families come through our church, a number of men who move into the Twin Cities from Arizona, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, California, uh, Nashville, because they're climbing the corporate ladder. And, and, and they brought, brought them to Minneapolis to take that next vice president role, job. And then they're here for maybe two years. And then that next opportunity arises in Arizona or Pennsylvania or Nashville. And, and what have I seen personally in those families? Many of them had young teenagers that now are out of the house. Many of them are not walking with God now. 
Because what the husbands chose was to move every two years for their career. And they're not thinking, how's this going to affect my wife and my kids? They weren't thinking about, am I raising my kids in a church where the other adults know them and love them and can invest in my kids? Guys, this is hard truths, but these are truths. Now, am I saying it's always wrong to move to a new city for a job? No, no, no. But that should be part of something you're, you're praying about. Right? Like, how does this affect me and my kids? I know my parents stayed at our church growing up. And they didn't really like the preaching. And true, true fact, I didn't know until I was like 20 years old that you didn't have to fall asleep in church every week. Like, because my pastor, bless his heart, just he put me to sleep every week too. But they stayed in that church because the adults in that church loved us and cared for us. And it was a great environment for us to grow up in. Because who we spend our time with will determine the direction of our lives. Amen? Let's read on. The Lord said then to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent. Where did Lot move his tent? Closer and closer to the evil city of Sodom. But Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's like a hyperlink. When we're seeing the trees, boom, back to the Garden of Eden, back to the tree of life. Remember, this means the place of seeing. That's where Abram first saw God. So instead of moving towards the city of wickedness, He's moving his tents back to the tree where he first saw God. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about this. When you're looking to strengthen your faith, look to the tree, the cross, where God showed us who he truly is. His love was shown on the cross for us. So when we need a little faith, look to the cross. So Abraham's, Abraham's moving back to the oaks, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Abraham's giving it up to God. He's worshiping him. He's saying, this is not just about me. It's about God. I'm, I'm trusting you. See, here's the thing. Last week, Abram, Sarai, Lot, they both go down to Egypt. But Lot didn't learn anything. See, just because you've been through some hard times doesn't mean you've learned anything. Sometimes God has to have us keep learning a lesson over and over and over again until we finally get it, until we learn and that's why it's good, again, to have community, to journal. Hey, I've been through this experience. God, what do you want me to learn through this? See, Lot didn't learn. Abraham and Lot, went, Abraham and Lot went through the same thing, but only Abraham learned something. He's learning to trust God. Lot doesn't learn his lesson, and it costs his family dearly. Lot is not a good man. He's not a good influence. And so God removes Lot from Abraham's life. Are there people in your life that you know they are not good influences and you might need to leave a lot behind? That's the title of my, of my sermon today, is that you might need to leave a lot behind to go where God wants you to go, to walk in faith, to be who God wants you to be. You may have to leave some people behind in your life. See, who you are in community with will determine the direction of your life. 
It's going to determine the direction of your life. And so there are times when we need to say, hey, I need some boundaries and some, some guardrails in who I'm spending my time with. See, the truth is, your faith in God is affected by your friendships. Now, I know, here in the West, we like to pretend like it's just me and God and my Bible, and it's just us, and it's, you know, we're wired for community. Who your friends are will affect your faith in God. It's just a truth. See, friendship and the idea of community was created by God. In fact, God himself is a, is a community, three in one. When God chose to create us humans, he wasn't wandering around all lonely and needed some friends. The Bible tells us he's three person in one, this beautiful dance that has always existed. And it's hard to wrap our minds around that. But what he did is he saw the beauty of the community he had in himself, and he wanted to expand that to us. And now he invites us into that. And the important thing is to know that God has been in perfect community and friendship with himself for all of eternity. And he invites us to join in that community. See, when you're saved by God, you are saved into community. See, our culture tries to feed us this idea of independence. Hey, you don't need anyone else. Just you. Be tough. Be strong. But that's not God's plan. God's plan is for you and I to experience genuine, loving community. Even Jesus, the Son of God, who was perfect, needed community. He had his closest friends that he laughed with, that he cracked jokes with, that he went on walking tours with, he camped with, he he taught them. They, They spent time together. They went to weddings and parties together. They did ministry together. See, who you are in community with is going to determine the direction of your life. Your faith is affected by your friendships. But we all need these boundaries, these guardrails. What's a guardrail? Again, it's a system designed to keep a vehicle from straying to dangerous off-limits. And you're most likely to see them in these potentially dangerous areas of the road. They're placed just inside the danger areas. The danger areas beyond those guardrails. So the thing is, we need to set up some guardrails to prevent us from straying off into those danger zones. So what does that look like? Let's get practical here. You may need some guardrails with your friends. What does Matthew 18 tells us? If you have an issue with someone, you need to go to that person and talk with them about it. And then bring along someone in the church, if if they're not listening, and then talk about it with them. You don't go on prayer walks and, and share your issue with someone else in the church and gossip about it, okay? Seen this way too much in the last seven years. See, here's how uh, Henry Cloud says it is one sure sign of boundary problems is when your relationship with one person has the power to affect your relationships with others. See, when you listen to someone who has an issue with someone else, now that person's issue becomes your issue and you can't let go of it. And now you've got a problem with someone that you didn't have a problem with because you've been listening to someone else vent about them. That is not good. You need to have the boundaries. You need to have guardrails. Say, hey, I'm not going to listen to this. You, if you have an issue with this person, have you talked to them about it? Hey, let's the three of us sit down and work this out. This is the work of reconciliation. Or someone comes to you and it's apparent, hey, this is an abusive spouse. This is an abusive relationship. Hey, I'm going to help you set a boundary, a guardrail, get out of this abusive situation and get the help that you need. Again, we're listening to the Holy Spirit to figure that out. But you may need some guardrails with your friendships. You may realize, hey, you know, I don't like who I am when I spend time with this friend. I drink too much. I'm coarse joking. Uh, You know, I I find myself um, more likely to gossip and talk about others. 
you may need to set some guardrails. See, below average people, when they get together, talk about other people. Average people talk about, like, the past. Hey, do you remember this? Remember that movie? You know, exceptional people talk about ideas and their dreams. That's the kind of people you want in your life. Say, hey, what are you dreaming about? What are you learning? How are you growing? If you're with people and you only ever talk about other people, you need to set some guardrails. I'm not saying you cut them out completely of your life, but you may need to set some boundaries. Hey, we're, we, don't, we shouldn't hang out so much anymore. And if you find that, that you can only t- gossip about other people when you're with others, then you really need to do a heart check. And be like, man, God, I need some work. And you may need some friends to tell you, hey, you stink. Like, you need to work on this. Like, like you need to get beyond just talking about others and talking about ideas and dreams and, and what God is teaching you and what you're learning, how you're serving and blessing others. Now, write this down too. You may need some guardrails in your family. Sometimes we have to just be very open and acknowledge the sins of our family. The Bible talks about generational curses, and Jesus can break those, but you may need to realize, hey, we have generations of alcoholism in our family. We have generations of, of, of slothfulness uh, or, or of greediness or whatever these things are, and you have to acknowledge that, you have to put a boundary and say, hey, I am becoming aware of old family patterns, and I'm going to break those now. Say, no, I'm going to be the first one in my family line who's not going to cheat on my spouse. Hey, I'm going to be the first one who's not, you know, obsessed with image and, and, and making every decision based only on my financial matters. I'm going to make decisions based on what's best for my family. What are those things in your family that you need to break? And then also, maybe there are some even family members that for a season, you need to put some guardrails around. When you realize, when you spend time with that person, you don't like who you are. You know, and that's hard if it's, if it's your mother or your mother-in-law or a brother-in-law. But if it's only feeding negativity, then you may need some guardrails, some boundaries. And again, how do we know? You pray about that. You seek the Holy Spirit. If you're in community with, with other believers, you say, hey, here's the situation. I want to continue investing in my nieces and nephews, but my brother or my brother-in-law, like it's not a good relationship. What do I do? Right? You got to have some boundaries, some guardrails to be who God wants us to be. Another thing is refusing to forgive a family member is one of the reasons many people are stuck for years. So another thing you may need to just figure that out is like, hey, there's been conflict, there's been strife here, and I've been holding on to this wound for decades, years, and you're refusing to let go, and so that because of that, you're refusing to move forward. So again, you may have some people tell you, hey, you stink, right? You, you, you gotta deal with this thing. You've been holding on to this unforgiveness and it's causing some rot in your life. And so, so how are you going to move forward? One last thing. Not everyone you lose is a loss. Sometimes God takes people out of our life, and that's a good thing. Abraham lost Lot, but that was a good thing for him. And same thing. Sometimes people... God is going to take people out of your life, and it feels like, God, why did you do that? And it's like, you know what? It's not a loss. Now, over the years, I've seen this as a pastor. God brings people in, and then they leave and go somewhere else, and and it hurts, but it's like, you know what? I've realized that's not a loss because they needed to go someplace else for their benefit or just 
the patterns they were in, you know, causing gossip and division and these different things. Okay, it's not a loss. And so, again, we, we trust God. We walk by faith. We, we live open-handed. We want to forgive easily. We want to love and bless others while being very wise, knowing who I spend the majority of my time with is going to determine the direction my life is going. I think you should carve time out, have margins so that you are able to serve others. You know, uh, on February 10th, we're going to have a time where single parents, those who are fostering, who have adopted, can drop off their kids. We can serve them. That's awesome. We want time in our life. But I think you should have multiple times a week that you're touching base with other believers who are strengthening you and encouraging you. Like, for me personally, it's coming here at 7.30 in the morning. Like, do we love coming up that early? No. But you know what? I get to talk and connect with, with Mel, Brent, and Josh, and Matt, and Aaron, and Dylan, and good people that fill my soul. Wednesday mornings, I'm not a morning person, but I get up at 6 o'clock so I can get a Bible study by 6.30 to meet some other godly guys, and we can just share who we are. Thursday night, our community group gathers together at the Fodset's house multiple times per week, and it, it takes sacrifice, but who we spend our time with will determine the direction of our life. It's just going to determine who we are. Here's the thing. Don't confuse guardrails with a lack of concern or love. It may seem like, hey, I could put some guardrails up around some family or some friends, but this is, and it could be for a season, for my kids, for my own benefit, hey, I just need some guardrails right now. It doesn't mean a lack of love or concern. It's actually more love and concern for you and your family, and you got to watch out for your kids and your family first. But creating margin in a relationship and a friendship and a family relationship can be painful, but it can be a good thing. Now, here's where I want you to do kind of a heart check. As I've been talking about the need to set some boundaries, some guardrails, has there been a friendship? Has there been a family member that, that popped into your head? I want you to think about that. If, if you could push a magic button and immediately be disentangled from that relationship with no complications, would you push it? What would that feel like? A year from now, are you going to look back and be like, man, I really wish I would have set up some guardrails and disentangled my self so much with this other relationship. If you think maybe a year from now you might be feeling that way, then why not take that step of faith today and say, okay, God, this may be painful, but I need your help to set up some guardrails, some boundaries in my life, even if it means leaving a lot behind. Here at Mosaic, we talk a lot about we are created for community, that everybody needs somebody. And what I'm talking about, you got to leave a lot behind. you got to set up some boundaries, some guardrails. You know, uh, watch out for people that you have unhealthy relationships with. So it may be very easy to say, you know what, fine. Just the idea of community, I'm just out. It's just going to be just me and Jesus. But that's not the answer. The answer instead is to say, within these healthy boundaries and guardrails, who are some people that God wants me to have in those boundaries that are encouraging me? That, that, that make me laugh, that, that we can have a good time, that I know they are for me. I have people in my guardrails, in my boundaries, that I have 100% love and, and affection for, 
and trust that I know they are for me, they are for my kids. And it's a lot of people in this room. And if you don't have people like that in your life, man, what can you do to have that? If you're a student, a teenager, be a part of our Sunday night program. Ryan, our youth pastor, creates an amazing youth program. It's like somewhere between six and 12 students on average, right? Somewhere in there, on a Sunday night. Kind of fluctuates. It's got a couple awesome adults uh, who, who just want to care for kids because here's what we want. We want every student in 6th or 12th grade to have a caring adult in their life who's not their parent, who takes them seriously, who loves them, that that kid can talk to when they don't feel comfortable going to their parents. Now, we want to be allies to the parent, but we also want some caring adults in life because middle school is hard. Right, Josh? Middle school is, is tough. And everyone needs someone. If you're an adult. Now, I'm preaching to the choir, and we're going to talk about this at a partners meeting that, like, so we have like 107 people in our community groups, adults and kids, uh, and that kind of fluctuates, uh, you know, who shows up each week. But 107, that's, praise God. Um, you know, we probably have less than 80 people here today total between adults and kids. So we have way more people that are part of a community group than show up on a Sunday morning. That's unheard of. Like, it never happens anywhere. Like, most churches, it's like, if you're Eagle Brook and you're hitting 30%, it's like, wow, we're killing it. You know, we're at like 110%. That's awesome. So I know most of you are in a community group, but a few of you aren't. What can you do to join a group or start a group? Or how can you at least have some people that are for you, that love you? Because who you spend your time with is going to determine the direction of your life. We're all broken. We're all flawed. We all messed up. And so we got to do the hard work. Matthew 18, hey, let's work out this conflict together. Figure things out. Biblical reconciliation. Listen to the Holy Spirit. When we need to set guardrails, boundaries. You know, and again, doesn't mean just cutting someone out permanently, but hey, I just need to pull in these guardrails a little bit for the good of my family, for the good of my kids. And then have some people who have your back, who you trust. We're gonna see, like, Abram eventually gets, like, makes his own army. He has all these guys who, like, are there for him, who've got his side. He's gonna go eventually rescue his worthless uh, nephew, Lot, who gets, you know, taken in by some uh, raiders and some other kings. It's a whole long story. You probably never heard the story of in Sunday school. Uh, but Abram is gonna have some people that's got his back. And so you need some people too, uh, the band of brothers or sisters who are there for you. I want to write the band up, uh, and then we're going to close in prayer. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of Abram and how he's not perfect, but he's learning and he's growing. And God, I pray right now that as I was, as I was preaching, that if, if a relationship, if a name popped into people's heads, that they need to just set some boundaries, some guardrails with. And again, that might just be for a season. God, that you would give us the wisdom and the courage to make those tough choices, to know how to set up those guardrails. God, my desire is that every single person in this room who's watching online, who's gonna watch later, they would have some people that have their back who are in their corner who can go to battle with them, that they trust that they can laugh with, that they can have their faith grown and, and stretched. God, because we know that that's what you desire. You are a God who's in community, Father, Son, Spirit, and God, you've created us for that same kind of relationships. So God, help us just to follow your example, to spend our time with people who are gonna strengthen our faith, 
that are going to grow us to become more like your son, Jesus, because that's what it's all about. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, why don't you stand with me? We're, we're going to sing a song. Um, and uh, we're getting done a little early because, again, we got this partners meeting. And so what's a partners meeting? Uh, you can stand. Uh, at our church, we don't have members. We have what's called partners. Uh, partners are people who are saying, hey, we're in this together. Uh, we're trusting and believing God. And, 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 and we, are, we are linking arms to help more and more people find hope and healing through Jesus. And so if you want more information about that, I'd love to talk with you. If you want to even tag along, I'm sure we got enough food. Just hang out afterwards. Um, uh, we're not voting or anything as partners, but uh, our governing team is going to share some updates just kind of about where we've been, where we're going, um, and just kind of celebrate and then be able to ask some questions. Because again, this, this church is it's about all of us. We are the church. And, and so uh, we are trusting and believing the best is yet to come, that, that God has our hope, our future is secured through him, and that nothing can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Uh, so as we sing the song, may you know that God created you for community, that who you spend your time with is going to determine the direction of your life, and God wants to be that friend who never leaves you or forsake you. Uh, let's go out of here singing this song. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.